Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ that meets in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. The lesson you are about to hear, which was presented to the Franklin Church on August 3rd, 2008, is a bit different from our usual. We have made a significant change in our class and assembly schedule, going to one extended assembly on Sunday mornings instead of two shorter assemblies on Sunday. In preparation for that change, I presented this lesson that had very practical concepts for us to consider about our Sunday time management. I encourage you to listen anyway because it gives some ideas about what we all need to be doing with our time, no matter what kind of assembly schedule our congregation has. With that in mind, get out your Bible and get ready to study along with us as we ask, what will I do with my Sunday evenings? Starting a week from Sunday, so we two weeks from today, we're going to make a major change in our assembly and class schedule. We're going to move from having two hours of assembly with a six-hour break in between to having two hours of assembly with a ten-minute break in between. Essentially, we're going to go from meeting two separate times to meeting over one long extended period of time on Sunday mornings. All of us are, are probably coming at that and looking at that with, uh, on a spectrum of excitement or trepidation or maybe even discomfort. And yet probably each of us has one big question about this whole thing. What will I do with my Sunday evening? Now, I realize that this lesson is going to be a little bit different than the normal kind of lesson we have. This is not going to be anything profound uh, regarding doctrine or theological principles, but I do think sometimes we just, when we're making practical changes, we need to just think about some very practical things for us. And so we need to ask, what am I going to do with my Sunday evenings? And that's what I want us to talk about for just a few moments tonight. I'm going to take a look at a few foundational principles, some things we need to say, just kind of a, to, to lay a foundation for it, and then looking at, at six things that we could do on our Sunday evenings. Uh, beginning on August 17th. Before we do that, would you bow with me, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise your name because you are worthy of adoration. You are the great God who has created all things, and you are the God that is worthy of our worship. And we pray that what we do here tonight as we worship you and edify one another pleases you. We pray that all that we do as a congregation will please you, that we'll not strive to please men, but we'll simply do what, what will help us to best honor and glorify you in the most effective way. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. I've just got four things I want to share, kind of laying the foundation about this shift and this change that we're going to do and some things that we need to think about. And, and then I want to get into some things that we can do on Sunday evening to kind of maximize this change for us and get the greatest spiritual benefit out of it. The very first thing I want to point out is I do just want to remind us for us to think, that this is a scriptural change. We're not doing anything unscriptural. Uh, yes, I know we're doing something different, but it's not unscriptural. If we take a look in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, beginning there in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to part on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room, and on it goes. What we find here is that Troas, they met once. On Sunday. Now, I realize that Paul here preached for an extended period of time, uh, but it was because the, the implication in the text is it was because of extenuating circumstances. He was leaving on the next day. I heard one preacher one time who was, has a good reputation for just preaching really long. He said one night, he said, look, if Paul could preach till midnight, I can preach for an hour and a half. And the one brother on the way out said, yes, but remember, Paul was leaving the next day. 
But the point being is they met once. They weren't unspiritual. They weren't ungodly. They weren't unscriptural. They met one time on Sunday. They assembled. They worshipped. They edified one another. And they, they did that in that one meeting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we find that the brethren there were meeting once. In verse 17, 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 17, Paul says, But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Then he goes on to talk about the Lord's Supper and, and what they were doing there. But what we find from this is that the Corinthian church was meeting once on Sunday. The main part of that assembly was to participate in the Lord's Supper. And I will just point out to you that Paul did not command them to have another assembly, to have kind of a make-up Lord's Supper. He commanded them to, to wait and not despise the others who couldn't be there and bring them along. And so that's something that, that we ought to give some consideration to. But the point that we really need to recognize here is this is not unscriptural. Maybe a little bit odd for us, maybe a little bit different. But this is what the church in the New Testament was doing. They were meeting on Sunday. They had their assembly, and, and then they were finished with their assembly. And they went on about their business doing other spiritual things and other things as Christians with their time as we're supposed to. Kind of the second foundational tidbit. Just, I, I just want us to be aware that this is going to happen. I, I'm 35 years old and, and a few months. And for 35 years and a few months, on Sunday, I've gone, gone to church twice every Sunday. I did that when I was a Baptist. I've done it since I've been a Christian. And I think probably in that time, there, there are three occasions when I visited some place and that particular congregation only met once on Sunday. And so we went to their assembly. And then that evening when it was about 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock, uh, after we made our shift to 5, I, I really felt odd. I felt weird. felt like I was violating the law of God. And so I just want to kind of prepare us for the fact that I do understand that in two weeks, at about this time, most of us are going to feel weird. Most of us are going to feel odd. Some of us will even feel like we're violating the law of God. But we're not. We're not violating the law of God. Remember, our feelings are not the indicator of what God's law is. If we're making the assemblies of the church as they're established, then we're obeying the law of God. And I just wanted to kind of prepare you for that so that when that happens, you won't suddenly think, oh, no, it's a bad idea. We're sinning. We, gotta, we, we shouldn't be doing this. Now, there's a third thing that I want to point out to you. Please turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, if you need to. Perhaps you have it memorized. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says to us in the English Standard Version, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not neglecting the assembling of ourselves together. is the translation that more of us remember, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As I consider that verse and the change that we're about to make, there's two things that I want to point out. In this first one, I realize it's Sunday evening, and I realize that the people who need to hear this probably aren't here, but I will feel a lot better just knowing that it's been verbalized, that it's out in the air, that if they want to, they can get online and, and get it off the, uh, off the Internet, or they can get it on tape or, or whatever. But I need to re we need to recognize that there have been people who have forsaken our Sunday evening assemblies. And, they have, and if you happen to be one of those people and you just happen to be here tonight, I need you to understand that if you're forsaking an assembly, you have a spiritual problem, a spiritual immaturity. And there's something wrong with your relationship with God. 
On August 17th, when we no longer have a Sunday evening assembly, you are not suddenly a mature Christian just because there's not an assembly then for you to forsake. We need to recognize that if we're having two assemblies on Sunday or we're having only one, when the church is assembled, you're supposed to be there, and you're not suddenly a mature Christian if we're only having one assembly and you're making that when your habit has been to forsake an assembly that we've had. I just I think we need to recognize that. And, and folks need to understand, they're not suddenly mature because an assembly has been removed that they had been forsaken. The second thing I want to point out is that some of us are going to move. There's going to be a day that some of us, who knows how many of us, I mean, when I think about who was here five years ago and who's not here anymore and who wasn't here five years ago and who's here now, the chances are that within the next five years I'm going to be looking at a completely different audience. Some of you are going to move away, as much as I hate to say that. I hope it's not me. But when you move, you may end up someplace that has two assemblies like we have had up to now. Hebrews 10.25 says that the congregation that you're a part of is meeting. You're supposed to be there. We're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That means the congregation is supposed to assemble. And it can only fulfill that command if the members are there. So if you move to another congregation and they have two assemblies, you can't sit back and say, well, back at Franklin we only had one, so it's okay. That's, that's the minimum requirement. I only have to go once. No, you would be forsaking an assembly if you decided not to go. Just We need to understand that. This is not the decision forever and for always, no matter where I move and whatever the congregation I'm a part of is doing for the rest of my life. Now I only have to go once on Sunday. Now the final thing that I want to say. I'm about to share with you some things that I think will help you maximize this change and this difference that we're about to go through. I want to share with you six things that you can use your Sunday evenings for that I think will help you and benefit you and benefit the congregation as a whole. But I do need you to understand this. The elders have not ever burdened us with activities that we have to be involved in the other 21 hours of our Sunday. They haven't done that now, and they're not doing that tonight. On the August 17th, we're still going to have 21 other hours in the day, just like we had 21 other hours today. I'm not telling you these things because the elders made the change to force you to do anything outside of these assemblies. All I want to do is share with you some things that we can now do that I think will maximize our own spiritual benefits. I hope I'm making that clear. The elders have not ever obligated you with any particular activity outside of our assembly, and they're not going to start doing that on August 17th. These are just some things that I think will benefit you and help you, and I hope you'll consider them as we think about some things that we can do with our Sunday evening. So, what am I going to do with my Sunday evening? What are some things we can do? I just want to share a few things with you. And I know this very first one is going to be a little bit shocking. But I can use my Sunday evenings as time for rest and rejuvenation. Like I said, I know that's probably going to shock some people that that's the very first one that I bring up because some people are probably going to say, yep, that confirms it. This is all about fitting God in around my schedule. This is so I can just relax and have fun and, and not have to go to church. No, that's not why I brought this up here. I bring this up because I studied something about the Sabbath day under the Old Covenant. I want you to look at the Sabbath day in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 7, excuse me, verse 8. God said unto the Old Covenant saints, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Look again in Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. And notice what God again says about the Sabbath day, beginning at verse 13. In Exodus 31 and verse 13. Excuse me, God said, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. Now brethren, Sunday is not the New Testament Sabbath, so I'm not about to make that point. But what I want you to recognize is that the Sabbath day under the Old Covenant was a day that they were considered holy. It was dedicated to the Lord. It was a day that they worshipped and honored God. But did you notice that it was also a day of rest? It was a day of rest and rejuvenation. It was a day for the refreshing of their souls. Now again, Sunday is not our New Testament Sabbath, so this is not saying that if you ever work on Sunday that you need to be put to death. I'm not making that point, but what I am pointing out is that we can have a day where we gather and worship God. We have a day that we've set aside to be about spiritual things, and yet it can also be a day of rest. We need to remember Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2, that our shepherd is the shepherd that makes us to lie down in green pastures. Our shepherd is the shepherd that leads us beside quiet waters in order to restore our soul. And so, yes, it's possible to use your Sunday evening for rest and rejuvenation. And I have to tell you, I'm excited about this. Because just to be honest with you, the way we've done this all of my life, Sunday has always been the least restful day of my week. It has always been the most hectic day, the most harried day, and sometimes a day that I don't really look forward to because of, because of that. And so I'm looking forward to the fact that our, our new, the new way that we're going to be doing this provides for a little bit more relaxation, even as we honor God just as much as we've been doing in the past. The second thing that I might can do on my Sunday evening, it's time for personal study. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. There, as Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders, he said, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul commended them to God and to the word of His grace. Why? Because that could build them up and give them the inheritance. Look in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, there James said, in James 1 and verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 
But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The implanted word is able to save our souls. But we need to do it, not just listen to it. And then, of course, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, which talks about the Scripture of God. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The Scripture will teach us, it will reprove us, it will correct us, it will train us in righteousness, and it will make us competent, complete. Perfect, some translations say. It'll equip us for every good work. But it's only going to do that if we spend time studying it. Now, my question for you, what what better time to do that now than the Sunday evening that's opened up for us? To spend some time in personal study of God's Word. And I'll tell you, for me, as I think about this, this is not just let me add an hour. To me, the benefit of this in the time management on Sunday, it's not just here's another hour. But for me, there are a lot of things I don't ever do on Sunday because I think, well, why get started now? I'm just going to have to quit in a minute to get ready to go to, to our second assembly. And then when we get home, well, there's no sense in getting started now because it's too late. And so this, for me anyway, adds a whole lot more than just an hour because it opens up that time to be able to go ahead and devote several hours without interruption if I choose to spend some time in personal study on that Sunday evening. And what a great time. On the day that we've gathered together as a congregation and studied God's Word, to take some time and open up the Scriptures and study to see if the things that we heard were so. Study things that we're questioning. Study things that we're trying to learn about. What is there a better way that we could spend our time? That's one of the things that we could do on a Sunday evening. The third thing, family time. We live in a busy society. We have all kinds of things going on throughout the week. We have school, we have work, we have PTA, we have scouts, we have all these things. And yes, brethren, I recognize that some folks just need to remove some of the clutter from their life. And I'm not trying to justify any of that. But here is a time that's now open, that we're spending just as much time as we ever have worshiping God together and edifying one another. And now we have time that we can spend with our family. And, and not all family time necessarily has to be spiritually related. This doesn't mean that necessarily on Sunday evening I have to have a Bible study with my family, but that would be a good idea. Think about Deuteronomy chapter 6. There's certainly some benefit that comes just from having family together time, talking about what's going to happen in school, planning out the week, just getting to know your kids or your spouse or your parents even better. But let's not forget, parents, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, where... Moses wrote, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What better time could we have than to take some of that New time that we're going to have on Sunday evenings to spend with our families, talking about the Word of God, discussing what we learned in class this morning, discussing what we learned in the sermon this morning, discussing the songs that we sang, or even just studying the book of the Bible together. What better time for that 
than on Sunday evening. Fourth, what about spiritual time with other Christians? Spending spiritual time with other Christians. Look in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, it says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you notice here that they're spending time from house to house? And one of the things they're doing as they're spending time from house to house is they're praising God. They assembled regularly. In fact, at this time, they were assembling every day. But in addition to their assembly, not just spending time together at the, the meeting location, but then from house to house, they spent time with one another praising God. They spent time with one another doing spiritual things. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 12, when Peter was released from prison, it said that when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Here were a group of Christians that were together in somebody's house, and they were just praying together. What a great opportunity, Sunday evenings, for Christians to spend some time together and do some spiritual things together. Whether we do it on Sunday night or not, we need to be doing it sometime. Because we're not being like the Christians in the New Testament. The only spiritual things we do are when we come together here. We can do some spiritual things. And I'll tell you, if there was one thing that I didn't care for out of this change, that was the fact that our fourth Sunday night prayer service, we're going to have to figure out something else to do with that. And they're, they're looking at things to do, possibly moving that to Wednesday night or how we can fit that in with what we've got going on Sunday morning. But I'll tell you what. If actually praying with other Christians is that important to you and me, how about we just take a Sunday night on our own and invite folks over to our house to pray? Oh, no, we don't want to do that. We only do that when we get together at church. No, that's not what they did in Acts 12. 12. Prayer was important to them. They didn't say, well, we can't do that anymore because the church isn't meeting on Sunday night. They got together and prayed in people's homes. What better thing for us to do if we want to have some prayer on a Sunday evening, just to invite some brethren over and let's get together and pray. Or let's get together and sing. Or let's get together and study. Let's encourage one another and comfort one another and strengthen one another and build one another up. These are all things that we can do. Spiritual time with Christians outside of the assembly. In like manner, in addition to that, what about just plain old hospitality? There in Acts chapter 2, we pointed out that not only were they praising God, but they were taking their food together. They were eating with one another from house to house caring for one another, opening their homes to one another and, and bringing each other in. And personally, I think that this change provides a great opportunity for this. Do you remember what 1 Peter chapter 4 says? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality one another without grumbling. Hospitality is a part of our love for one another. And brethren, whether we do it on Sunday evenings or not, we better be showing some hospitality, otherwise we're not being Christians like the Bible talks about. We need to be hospitable to our brethren. Personally, for me, 
this opens up a lot of opportunity for us because one of the problems that we've had is that, well, it's hard to do anything with anybody Sunday afternoon because now we've got to get our kids to bed. Otherwise, they're going to be cranky and crabby when we get to the Sunday evening assembly. Then after that, it's hard to do anything after that because we've got to get them to bed for school because school starts tomorrow. And now this opens that up. We can go over to somebody's house or, or somebody can come over to ours and we don't have to worry about getting those kids to bed that early. And they can stay for a long time. We don't have to worry about them being up too late and not being able to make it to work tomorrow or work their school in the next day. I just think this opens up all kinds of opportunities for hospitality that we haven't been involved in because our schedules have been too hectic for that. But here's an opportunity. And what better time to do that than on Sunday evenings as we make this change? And finally, one more thing that you can be involved in, and I know that some of you are going to think this is odd, but, but evangelism. I know one brother who's already told me that one of the things he plans on doing is visiting other churches that are teaching error to try to get some Bible studies set up with people. What an opportunity. Now, I know that not everybody would feel comfortable with that, but, but what an opportunity to do exactly what Paul did in Acts chapter 16 and verse 13. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 13, on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. What a great opportunity to get together and be where people are uh, you know we're talking about spiritual things, but perhaps not doing what is right, perhaps not teaching the truth. What an opportunity that would be there. You could be involved in some evangelism on Sunday evening. But the fact is there's all kinds of things we can do. Again, I just reiterate the fact that I'm not saying these things because the elders made this change in order to force you to do something particular in any one of these areas. They haven't ever dictated what we do the other 21 hours of our Sunday, and they're not going to start on August 17th. But I just think these are some things that we can do that will help maximize this change for us, maximize the spiritual benefit for us as individual Christians, and I think even as it does that, maximize the benefit for the congregation. And so I am excited about the change. It's a little bit fearful, but I think it's going to be a good thing for us long term, and I'm excited as we're about to do this. And I hope this has been helpful to you. But I, I want you to remember that whether we're talking about Sunday evenings or Sunday afternoons or Monday nights, or Thursday night, or Saturday. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 says, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. You know, the reality is time management as Christians is something we're supposed to be involved in at all times. I hope that as we make this change, that you don't use this time as just another frivolous waste of time. But whether it's Sunday or Tuesday, that's the responsibility we have to make the best use of our time. And so whatever you choose to do, I hope you use it wisely in serving God as, as one of His children, honoring and glorifying Him. I hope that was beneficial and edifying for you. Further, I hope it glorified God. Let's remember the things we said we could do with our time. One, rest and rejuvenation. Two, personal study time. Three, family time, four, spiritual time with other Christians, five, hospitality, and six, evangelism. If you have any questions about this lesson or about the Franklin Church, or if you have any spiritual needs or prayer requests, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website, which is franklinchurchofchrist.com. Also, if you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we would love to meet you. Please stop by and visit with us any opportunity you have.
You can find directions in our class and assembly times on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.